you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's Trader Lineup, Guy Dami, Tim Seymour, Bono and Eisen, and Karen Feinerman. Tonight on Fast, we are breaking out our Q2 playbooks. The key trades and big moves our traders are making as we kick off a new quarter. Plus, a power play. President Biden promising big money to build out EV charging stations nationwide. Should you plug into this one? And batter up in honor of opening day, we have a fast pitch on deck. Why one trader thinks this e-commerce stock is a total home run. We'll bring you the name. We start off with a major market milestone to kick off a new quarter. The S&P 500 closing above 4,000 for the first time ever. It is now up 7% this year. But the big winner today, big technology. Mega cap names like Alphabet, Microsoft, Amazon, all posting strong gains. And if you haven't been paying attention, these stocks have been on fire over the past week. NVIDIA, Tesla, Netflix, Facebook, Alphabet, all seeing gains of 5% or more in just four days. So as we kick off a new quarter, could this tech momentum carry through? Guy, what do you think? Yes is the answer. And let's just get this out of the way now. The Yankees just lost their home opener, Tim has a grin from ear to ear, no doubt. So let's just get that out of the way. And the other thing is, listen, good for BK, by the way, who basically uh, picked the bottom in NVIDIA. That stock has been on fire ever since he said it. And we've been talking about Facebook. I know Karen loves Google. Google effectively made an all-time high. Facebook with a whisper of it. And I think both those stocks are names you can continue to own now. Broader market leaves me scratching my head. But these these stories are not about the broader market. These are individual secular names that I think mm-hmm. continue to work as we get into April. And, of course, they hadn't been working. They hadn't been working in large part for the past six months. And the context and the backdrop in which they are working this week, Bonwin, is that yields were okay, but they were pretty elevated. And we, we were today at 168. Yesterday, we were at 174 or so. So it's not like we had a real pullback in yields and can say, yeah, it's because the 10-year yield went down and we're seeing this bounce in tech. No, great points. Um, they are so elevated, but they are off from their highs. And the volatility around rates has calmed down a bit. And I think that unknown really sent shocks that reverberated through various parts of the market. Also, keep in mind that a lot of these names are off 10, 15, 20 percent from their highs. And for me, the last time I checked, what gets you into the place is cash. And these companies are flush with it. It's glad to see that people are actually taking a look diving down into financials and seeing like, listen, there is still some value to be at here. 22, 23, 24 times Ford PE, you're in line with the broader market. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's testament to just how fast and how far and with how much momentum these value names have run. Yeah. Karen, what do you make of this move in tech? Um, you're short some IGV yesterday. You still short or you think maybe it's right. time to pull the plug? Still short today. Mm-hmm. No, still short today. It's really on the theory of rates going up and ultimately that being bad for the super high flyers. But for the tech names that you talk about, Guy Bodwin talk about, you know, those, the FANG names, I think of those as value tech. And so, I mean, Alphabet actually had hit a new high earlier this year, but today it is uh, an all-time high. And to me, it still represents great value. And, you know, even though the multiple has moved up, it's nowhere remotely close to the kind of multiples that you're seeing in some of those other stocks. And to Facebook is the same story, but even more so. Facebook is actually cheaper than Alphabet. Mm-hmm. So I have a big position there as well. I think part of what happened in 
Facebook and Google is that there was a lot of uh, concern two weeks ago maybe about Apple's new privacy policy and when it was implemented, how it would affect their ability to do target marketing for, for uh, Facebook and Google. And, and I think people are going to find, you know what, doesn't matter, we've got we've to use Facebook and Google to, to market. So I think the advertising spend is going to be huge there. I don't know if that was all of it because the others, Microsoft also up big on idiosyncratic news to them as well. But it's sort of the value spot, uh, the combination of value and big tech. Yeah, the expectation. So I'm hanging on to those. The expectation for advertising remains strong. I mean, that was sort of the, the, the rock uh, behind the steeple upgrade of Alphabet earlier this week, um, Tim. But I, I'm going to pose this. We, we asked this question before. We played this game, which Okay. People out there All really, right. really had an affinity for. And that was, you know, two stocks with similar PEs. And I'll go back to General Electric and Netflix, because as we end the quarter, they do end pretty much at the same forward PE, which is 54. And that sort of underscores this notion that value has had a run. And some of these tech fang uh, names may be perceived now as value themselves. So what do you think? Well, Netflix is never going to be value to me, and, and uh, I agree with Karen that Google is value. So um, GE, to me, might fit even for a later segment in our show as a reopening trade. Look, I think a lot of exposure to airspace, although, again, they're divesting some assets there. So, um, I, I, look, high multiple tech, uh, and that would then also include certain parts of uh, the semiconductor space, but um, more notably things like Peloton or things like Zoom or um, really what have been also COVID stocks are, are very different stories. So, um, you know, GE for different reasons, especially because I think the balance sheet is, is much better than people think with a 10-year that's actually higher. They do better with higher interest rates, but we'll save that for another show. I, I just think, uh, first of all, on the 10-year, it's been two weeks or so in a range really uh, between 165 and 175. So settling into a range, maybe, maybe not, but either way, maybe cap tech needed to see that. I, I would go back to semiconductors, and this isn't just the last few days. This is, mm -hmm. this is since the, the, the first week of March. The, the SMH, so the ETF that tracked the semiconductor sector, has outperformed the, the S&P by almost 12%. Semis have led all the way throughout this cycle, and, and you know, I, I think you can continue to follow that. That, that to me, is your leader. Um, look at Taiwan Semi today, up over 5%, the biggest semiconductor uh, you know, white label provider in the industry. And that's, uh, that's sending a good message. Yeah, year to date, they're up 16%. Um, and they could be, um, in theory, categorized in the cyclical sort of category. But, Guy, my question to you is if we do see the 10-year yield stay within this sort of range that we've been in, does that pave the way for both big cap technology and technology in general to do well alongside the cyclical trade? Can dogs and cats live together? Yeah, no <laughs> yeah I think, I mean, I, clearly they can. I mean, not my house. I mean, the whole, <laughs> here we go. I'm going to get added big time. But you have no interest in cats. First of all, cats aren't pets. They're just domesticated wild animals that would rather be outside hunting squirrels. But, and please don't come at me. I'm not interested in the long weekend Twitter rants. <laughs> With that said, in this case, they can, because I think to Tim's point, we've gotten comfortable with this 170-ish level in the 10-year over the last couple of weeks. So if it were to go sideways to lower, absolutely you could see a reacceleration. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're pushing closer to 2%, and then we'll see what happens then. But in this scenario of 170 for an extended period, absolutely uh, the market can continue higher. And the other thing that was interesting today's market, and I'll go to Bonwin on this one, is the VIX, which really 
um, was depressed in today's session and reached levels pre-pandemic February 2020. And of course, you know, you'll say it's a long weekend and so volatility comes out of the market, Bonowin. But in, in terms of what you're seeing for, you know, the expectation for volatility in the coming weeks, what are you seeing? Um, now, I look at the absolute number for sure, and mm -hmm. we're looking at 17, 18. But what I'm also looking at is at how fast that volatility number is changing. And that still informs me that there is volatility to be had in this market. We've gone from 30 to 25 to 17 in about a two and a half week period, three week period. That seems pretty fast to me. Okay. Our next guest predicts some parts of the tech trade will make it rain in April. Julian Emanuel is BTIG's chief equity and derivative strategist. Julian, good to see you. Great to be with you, Melissa. So are you saying this because you do you also believe like the traders that the 10 year yield is is settled into a range at this point? Is that what we've become sort of dependent on in terms of forecasting the tech trade? Well, it's been a big part of the story the entire year, for sure. And frankly, uh, it, from our point of view, we have been more bearish on bonds in general uh, than the street in as a whole. Um, always ahead of consensus. Our year-end yield forecast is 2%. But if you look at it, and Tim pointed this out, is that we spent the last couple of weeks in a range. So we're going higher, but we're grinding higher rather than shooting higher. And frankly, when you think about it, it that's really a lot of the story of the month of March. And I go back to the last time uh, I was on your show at the beginning of March, and it was very, very frightening for a lot of people to hear us make the call that we thought mm -hmm. selective big cap tech could do well. But lo and behold, people are starting to focus once again on the idea that Fang in particular are secular earnings growers in an environment where the discount to the multiple doesn't need to be as punitive because you're not going to two and a half percent or whatever in the 10 year yield imminently. Should investors be focused at this point, Julian, on the possibility of a corporate tax increase or is it too early? No, it, it's not too early. Um, and, and history is pretty conclusive uh, about this, is that uh, particularly when you raise both corporate and individual uh, tax rates in the same year, stocks tend to underperform. And so uh, when you think about it from the broad index level, we've already had a good first three months. It wouldn't surprise us as, at all if within the context of large cap tech continuing to do well, that you do have some give back from this value trade that's gone a long way. And that leaves the index range bound in the near term. Hey, Julian Bonowin here and early happy Easter to you. Thanks for joining. Uh, so you, you mentioned that healthcare might be an area of, of of future strength. And I think this whole pandemic situation has really highlighted both the pros and cons of our current healthcare system. Would you mind drilling down a little bit and letting us know what pockets of healthcare you think have upside? Well, yeah. And so if you think about it, healthcare has been a very sort of strange sector uh, to think about because it's neither the value trade per se, nor is it the growth trade. And when you think about it in those terms, uh, the nexus is the fact that healthcare as a sector is intertwined with government oversight and government regulation to you know, a very large degree. But 
the fact is, is that we're coming into an environment where the economy is, uh, is going to open up again. Uh, things are going to normalize. You're going to have people starting to go to elective, elective procedures uh, more than has been the case for the last two years. There's certainly pent up demand there um, as well. This new uh, uh, telehealth type uh, environment is not likely to go away anytime soon either. So we think there's really a, a number of areas, including if we consider that the rate of change of the 10 year yield isn't going to be too onerous. Large cap pharma, which uh, tends to be a yield play, but given what we've seen in the last year, is likely has elements of a growth play as well. Hey, Julian, uh, we had a, a Mimi, as Guy likes to put it on this show recently, where we had a, a dog and we had the dollar and we had, you know, tail, dog, you know, so as it relates to yields and as it relates to the market, your view on the dollar, um, we, we've had a bounce. Is that off oversold levels or, or is that a dollar that's reasserting itself? Because that has huge implications for multiple asset classes. And it definitely does, Tim. What we would say there is if you think about the dollar rally within the context of the commodity markets, the two tend to work together. And the fact that the commodity markets haven't really come off materially yeah. in the wake of the dollar strength tells us that it's really much more of a sort of position correction, uh, oversold bounds that we think ultimately, particularly as uh, the plans for uh, President Biden's uh, next round of uh, infrastructure spend come more into focus, that the dollar downtrend will reassert itself. Julian, I wanted to circle back to um, the selective FANG names that, that you like in theory. There, there are five names in FANG, so selective amongst this list is only a handful of names at this point. Can you walk us through how you're thinking about it? Is it percentage off of their highs? Because all of them are, are double-digit percentages off their highs. Is it value? Is it multiple? Is it the degree to which their multiples have compressed? How do you, how do you think about which FANG names? So when we originally came up with this concept uh, at the beginning of, of March, uh, our view was uh, the peak of value versus growth essentially was the beginning of September. And what we saw is the, the broader market was up substantially since then, but there was a range of names and actually some of the largest semi names, which you talked about earlier in the show, uh, are included there as well, is that they were down uh, sort of double digits uh, in that time. At the same time, the expectation is for double digit earning growth over the course of 2021. We weren't really too uh, much concerned about the actual multiple at the time, because by and large, even though you can always say that these names are expensive, they're not expensive relative to where they were, mm -hmm. and they're not expensive relative to the point in time that a lot of people fixate on as being the risk uh, point in time, that being late 1999, 2000, and think of it in those terms. Okay, Julian, good to see you, thank you. Thank you. Julian Emanuel of BTIG. He likes health care. Karen, you like health care, too. Yes, I'm very in sync with Julian. I, I don't know that I've felt this in sync with him ever, but, um, <laughs> you know, I like the fangs and I do like health care. I, I think a lot of what he said makes sense to me. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about it later. But I think, you know, I don't normally like things for a dividend yield, but the P.E.s are really low. And the dividends are high. And it's not like the dividends are high because people are afraid they're going to get cut. 
They're legitimate dividends, so I like this space. I feel like Julian I'm, might be... I've increased my yeah. exposure a lot. Well, and we'll talk about that more a little bit later on. I feel like Julian <laughs> might be blushing out there with how in sync Karen is with him. Um, <laughs> Guy, in terms of FANG names, which FANG names selectively would you like here? Facebook, I admit, it pains me. You can see, can every you see it on my time, face? Every time you say that. pains me to say it. Yeah, but it's, fa- it's... And, you know, Facebook is... Listen, it's right there now, right, right on the all-time high. Um, and by the way, I'm getting, I don't know what the difference between a Mimi and a GIF is, but a lot of people are sending them vis-a-vis Twitter about cats. <laughs> Loosen up, folks. It was a joke, number one. And you mentioned NSYNC. I know for a fact that Justin Timberlake is a huge fan of the show, and he's probably blushing right now as well, I'm along sure. with Julian. I'm sure. Uh, coming up, they are two peas in a pod. Plugged in, EV stocks surging as President Biden lays out plans to build a nationwide charging network. We will break down the key names that could power this trade. And seen AMC falling as the company's CEO pushes for another stock sale. So that got us thinking, are there other companies that should raise money right now? We are naming names next. Fast Money will be back right after this. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out AMC shares taking a hit after the company's CEO came on CNBC today and said this. We are uh, formally asking for approval from our shareholders to authorize another 500 million shares uh, that the company could issue if it wishes. There are a lot of benefits to our shareholders of having more authorized shares uh, out in the market. Uh, We'll be sensitive to dilution issues. AMC is just the latest company to try to raise money during a big upswing. We did see similar moves at a GameStop during the Reddit rebellion. Viacom CBS, which was on fire until two weeks ago when it priced a $3 billion stock sale. Um, So that sort of got us thinking what other companies out there. We've seen certainly some pretty crazy moves higher. Um, But Karen, I'll go to you because um, just for some more clarification on GameStop, we know that they were sort of considering it. They hadn't done it because they didn't have they didn't have the most recent quarterly results. They posted quarterly results. They're sort of considering it. And now where are we on this? Yeah. Well, considering it, I mean, what do, what are they waiting for? What do they need it to, to like 300, 400? I don't know what they're doing. Why consider it? I get maybe it takes time to get it done, but I think they should absolutely do it. If they don't, they don't have a dire need for the money. Adam Aaron, he has worked so tirelessly to save AMC. I understand why he wants to do it. Good for him. He, you know, he got lucky, was able to, you know, sell stock at a great price. I don't know what GME's waiting for. They should at least buy, sell a billion, take out their debt. I don't get that at all. Yeah. Um, Tim, you've got another idea for one. Actually, you own this stock, too. 
Well, so DraftKings, I'm not suggesting should do this tomorrow, but DraftKings mm -hmm. has already shown twice uh, in essentially in the last 15 months that they can go in there and they can raise money after a big move in the stock. Look, back in October 6th, after a 400% move in the stock, they issued about 16 million shares at an 8.5% discount and, and certainly well off the 52-week highs, and that was at 52 bucks a share. Investors have been rewarded. Again, it's a growth company that's not a broken company. In fact, it's a growth company that I think has uh, very much got a tailwind behind its business, and it's about a market share grab that is rewarded that growth capital is rewarded not in a broken company to me where right. i think they're look they're trying to take advantage of the conditions there could be some argument that some people out there might make some people whose name includes a cat um, that gme is not a broken company and that it's actually a growth company at this point there are a lot of changes <laughs> a lot of executive changes going on in gamestop guy they just hired an executive from Amazon. These are hires and changes at a company that is obviously has has plans. Without question. And maybe the last maybe they'll get the last laugh GameStop in terms of not doing the secondary. We've all been waiting for so long and there's been silence on that front. Maybe they do know more than we do. And I compare them to the 70s Cosmos with all these international superstars they're bringing into the lineup. Maybe they wind up emerging victorious for this, and maybe the Wall Street bets and the, the Reddit crew are on to something. So, you know, maybe their silence speaks volumes. I'll just quickly say, if you're looking for another company mm -hmm. who's masterfully done this, it's Michael Saylor at MicroStrategies. Now, the stock has been huh. sort of going sideways around 700 or so, but every time they've done something and added Bitcoin to their balance sheet, they've been rewarded by the marketplace. My sense is there's probably something else in store for them. He could sell stock, Can raise money, one thing? and buy more Bitcoin. <laughs> Karen, go ahead. Yeah, just on GameStop, they have the last laugh. The stock's 100 and I don't know, we're at 190 or whatever. Yeah. That's the that last laugh. Right. They have the last laugh already. I don't know what they're waiting for. They could giggle a little more if it goes to 500. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't get it. All right. We are just getting started here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next. The EV stocks are plugging in and powering up. We'll tell you what's behind the charge higher. Plus, don't change the channel before takeoff. Airport TVs are getting a media makeover. We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money returns. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. EV stocks surging today as President Biden lays out a $2 trillion infrastructure plan. And there's big money going to build out a nationwide charging network. Let's get to Phil LeBeau with more on this. Phil. Melissa, when you look at what President Biden is proposing, a big chunk of the money of that $2.2 trillion is allocated for electric vehicle infrastructure. $174 billion, a good chunk of that will be outlined in consumer incentives for you and I to go out and to not buy a gas-powered vehicle, but an electric vehicle, also for the auto industry to make the conversion to build more electric vehicles. And there's also the plan to build 500,000 EV charging stations. 
You might be saying to yourself right now, well, that's great news for the EV charging stocks. And that's one reason why when you take a look at a couple of them today, we're talking about Blink and ChargePoint. Both of them moved higher on the expectation that they will benefit ultimately from this plan. By the way, the cost for an EV charging station it depends on the level of the charging network and what they're doing, but it could be $10,000 to $15,000 per station. There are 41,000, approximately 41,000 EV charging sites. And remember, each site may have multiple charging ports, so you could have more than one vehicle at each site. Compare that with gas stations in this country. There are just over 145,000 of those. The expectation and what's driving all this for the Biden administration is that we see greater sales for electric vehicles between now and 2025. Last year, about 225,000 EVs, pure EVs, were sold in this country. It's expected to be more than a million by 2025. And by the way, that'll just be about 6%, 7% of the market. One last chart to take a look at, Tesla. And we're showing this to you because Tesla is expected to report its Q1 deliveries Sometime in the next couple of days. And that, at the, when they report it, Melissa, the thing to be focused on, not necessarily what they did in Q1. We know that it'll be a record um, quarter in terms of deliveries. What guidance do they give for the rest of this year? Because mm-hmm. so far, they've been very vague about how many more vehicles compared to last year they expect to deliver. Phil, may I ask a question? And that is, for the EV charging stations, are there universal ports for these cars or no? As I understand it, each car has its own unique plug-in. So Generally speaking, uh-huh. well, you, you, there are certain vehicles. You cannot take a, a particular vehicle to a Tesla charging station and say, I'm going to plug it in. I mean, you can, generally speaking, at most of these, it's universal. In other words, you can, it, whether it's a Chevy Bolt mm-hmm. or whether it is another brand, uh, let's say, going to an EV go station, you can do that. So, yeah, it, it, that's one of the things that people have said over time. You need to have these be universal that's where you're really going to see the value and the benefit and the conversion take place in terms of uh, everybody saying, okay, I'm ready to buy an EV. All right. Phil, thanks. Have a good weekend. You Phil bet. LeBeau. You too. Um, let's, let's trade the EV makers here. And I don't know which part of the, of the chain, Bonwin, you like in terms of charging stations or batteries or, you know, the components for batteries. Where would you go? I look at two companies. I look at Neo and I look at Chargeport. I mean, and, and <clears throat> Chargeport really because if you look at the EV to sales, the, the numbers in these names are just bloated beyond reason. And given the environment that we've been in, I just want to move with caution as I like retrench and establish positions there. Neo just blew um, deliveries out of the water, has a large adjustable market. I think those two together allow you to cover a large part of that vertical and set you up well in terms of. Um, Uh, further um, developments in the space. Mm -hmm. Phil had cited Tesla, and I thought that was an interesting move in today's session, intraday guy, and I know you have that intraday chart up as we speak, Um, but it finished at the lows of the session. You're you're scaring me. You're you're scaring me. You know, and Tesla's, listen, obviously the deep end of the pool trade is Tesla, but, you know, as Tim has correctly pointed out now, for literally the last year, you know, if you like Tesla, you got to love General Motors. And he's right. And I'll say again, you know, you put a 12 multiple on a company that's going to earn at least $6 a share. You're talking about a $72 stock. So I don't think you have to play the Tesla game anymore. I think it's as easy as what Tim has been saying for a year. But for General Motors, and we've been talking repeatedly about this re-rating that's happening with G- GM because of its EV portfolio and its strategy there. And yet on this news, we don't see any sort of pop immediately, at least not like we're seeing in the EV makers, Karen. I'm wondering when you think 
the stock actually goes along with some of the EV uh, makers? Well, I think the stock has been re-rated. Mm-hmm. As we can tell from the last, I don't know, five years or however long I've owned it, they're a little, you know, it doesn't happen right away. It's hardly a knee-jerk reaction. So um, I, that is, guys, right, and he's sort of quoting Tim, I agree with them both, <laughs> that GM is the way to play it. I mean, I also think part of what's driven the move up, in no pun intended, in GM is the low multiple, and as we have higher rates, the low multiple being... Uh, making it relatively more attractive. So I don't think it's seen all of the EV move yet. It's slow. It's, the, it's definitely the tortoise in the race. Yeah. Um, I'll go to the source of the quotes, Tim. <laughs> GM so, is still the way. Well, yeah, I mean, call me the tortoise. Um, as, as is, GM's doubled since October. I don't know what, mm-hmm. what else, you know, it, it, what do you call that? Well, so, it's moving. Um, it's moving. I, I, in, think- I agree. Okay, the re-rating has happened. We've talked about it on the show, but in terms of like finally, you know, moving with the same sort of vig as, well as a Neo or a Tesla, or you know, to actually fully give it right. credit for the EV maker it now is, does that happen ever? Sure. And and I think the I think the reason you brought up the question to Guy on Tesla and he didn't answer you about the <laughs> intraday chart is that Tesla reversed yes. um, and it finished lower on the day. And 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 so at a time when really look. Who do people think about is the number one EV producer in the world? They think of Tesla, whether that's accurate or not, and it's not. Um, but the point is that, yes, I, Tesla should be soaring on this. And if you look at ChargePoint, that was up 11.5% today. So the point's well taken. Um, and, and I just simply say this on ChargePoint. Um, I, you know, the company is, is growing. And, and the subscription revenues, we just got them to add their first quarter reporting. And remember, this is a SPAC uh, that despacked and is a deal that's had a lot. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, but if you're buying it here, you're buying it with this $174 billion of EV uh, kind of incentives that was announced two days ago by Biden for a company that's near the bottom of this range before this move, uh, when it was never priced on valuation anyway, um, I think that's kind of interesting. It's a real business. And Tim, no surprise, the astute observation that Guy evaded my question. That is right. I've written it in my ledger. I've yes. taken note. Um, let's move on. we got a market flash around Morgan Stanley. Let's get to Kate Rogers. Kate. Hey, Melissa, that's right. We've got an update on the bank. The company CEO, James Gorman, saying in a shareholder letter that the bank intends to hike its dividend when the Federal Reserve lifts restrictions it had placed on the big banks in the wake of the pandemic-induced economic downturn. The Fed said about a week ago that the banks are going to have to wait until June to revisit dividends. So Morgan Stanley appears to be the first big bank that's taking action uh, here and acknowledging its plans uh, to raise that dividend once the time is right. Melissa, back over to you. All right, Kate, thanks. Kate Rogers. Uh, Karen, as Kate had mentioned, I would expect we're going to hear this from a lot of banks. Yes, I think so. I think we're going to see some very, very big bank earnings. And um, even with the sort of surprise of them not extending the exemption, I think we're going to see buybacks. We're going to see uh, big earnings. Good for Morgan Stanley. We still, I'd like to get a little more clarity also on Archegos and who, who, was, who lost how much money where. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah. We, we need to know that before we write the movie version of this whole thing, too. Um, Tim, I want to go back to you. Circle back. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday, we played a game off the CNBC Q2 stock survey. Which stock was, was the most yeah, crowded? Great. Three out of four traders said J.P. Morgan. Which is interesting yep, because I, I think that all three of the traders own J.P. Morgan and like J.P. Morgan. So, yes. <laughs> so yeah. where do you stand on J.P. Morgan, even though you think it's a crowded trade? 
It's a crowded trade. It, it's, uh, it's so exposed to everything people are talking about in terms of reopening. That could be a reopening trade. So, so look, I, I, I like the fact that we know what's going on with net interest margins. We know what's going on with their core investment banking business. Uh, we know what's going on with the mortgage market. And, and from a credit perspective, if anything, remember how many uh, uh, loan losses they, they, they put on there? There's still some to call, come off the books here. Um, and so, you know, some of these provisions are, are things that are also a tailwind. I, you know, I'm very happy owning J.P. Morgan here. All right. Coming up, shares of Uber driving higher after one analyst calls it a top reopening play. So we're taking our traders to task. What is their ultimate reopening trade? We'll bring you the names. But first, it is opening day for all you baseball fans out there. We've got a fast pitch on deck. One trader says this e-commerce stock is a total home run. He'll make the case when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Happy opening day. Baseball fans everywhere rejoicing. So we thought this would be a perfect time for a fast pitch. And if you're a Fast Money newbie, I know there are people out there who are not familiar. Here's how this goes. One trader throws out their best investment idea and you at home get to vote on it. So you can head on over to our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. So get your phones out and get ready. Taking the mound for tonight's pitch, Delano Sapporo of New Street Advisors Group. So Delano, go get them. What's your pitch? <laughs> Thanks, Melissa. And my pitch today is Shopify. So the few reasons why I like Shopify, if you're looking at the total addressable market, which is one of the big tailwinds for this company, you're seeing that increasing. There was actually a stat that stated that there was a 4.4 million increase in new business and entrepreneurs created uh, over the past year, which is actually it's a trend that we're going to see over time. It's not just pandemic related with lots of jobs. It's actually way easier and less expensive to start businesses now. And if you're actually looking at what other areas of, of, of actual increase for this company, you're looking at the valuation. So think about the stretch valuation. We obviously know it's very stressful. You're looking at price earnings, trading over 400 times. But to actually look at the top line, where growth investors are going to focus on, they're growing rapidly at the top line. And this is something that I think is going to increase again over time. And finally, I know management's really, really focused on making great products uh, for, their, for their users, right? They're looking into investing into you know, these products and capabilities that users are going to be using going forward. So this is why I like Shopify. Hopefully we can hit a home run out of this one. Guy, you got a question for Delano. Yeah, I'm with you. I do. I mean, my question is right around valuation. I mean, at a certain point, valuation matters. I understand that, you know, in a low interest rate environment, maybe not so much. But as rates have moved higher, is that at all consideration? Do, do, does this valuation concern you if rates continue to move up? Yeah, that's a great question, Guy. And I think we've seen it being battered over the past couple of months, right? So we've gotten to a place where it's, it's been battered. The valuation is definitely going to still be a concern. Rates are going to still move up over the short term. I think we'll level off, you know, over the long term. I think that's a good opportunity. We're seeing Q3, Q4 for the growth trade, the growth rotation to come back into play. But that's definitely a concern uh, for, for short-term investors. All right, Delano, thanks for that. No more questions. Time to vote. Are you buying Delano's pitch on Shopify? Guy, what do you say? Can you read my smart board, please? I'm not sure. Are you able to see. do that, Melissa? Harley Finkelstein, hashtag genius. Yes. Uh, interviewed by Jim Cramer recently, told a very compelling story about Shopify. The stock has sold off enough where I think it's a great opportunity. Well done, Delano. Tim Seymour. 
Yeah, below my Let's Go Mets sign, there's a baseball that says buy. I'm buying Delano's pitch here. I mean, ultimately, look, Shopify, you're not buying on valuation. You're buying on the e-commerce trends uh, that affect a lot of companies in their space, of which they're right in the middle of. And in fact, their GMV of e-commerce is still low enough that I think you're excited by that and the, and the consolidation that I think a lot of it will be theirs. Bonoan, it looks like you're putting the finishing touches on your whiteboard. How do you vote? I am. So I'm, I'm buying it with the caveat. So I'd, I'd get in some here, and then I'd look to add to my position on a pullback. Okay. Karen, what do you say? Well, not shockingly, you know, <laughs> I just... I have to pass. It was a great pitch, and, you know, he's a lot smarter than I if he's owned it here because, you know, I wouldn't have owned it for the last $1,000. But just... It just my DNA doesn't allow me to buy, you know, 400 times yeah. earnings, even though they're growing nicely. I think it, it's reflected. 400 is optimistic. So I'm going to pass. I All certainly right. wouldn't short it. Well, three out of four ain't bad, Delano. Uh, we'll see no, how the, bad at all. Yeah, we'll see how the viewers out there vote. Uh, the traders have spoken. So you out there, get on your phones, get on your PCs. Are you buying Delano's fast pitch on Shopify? Head to Twitter to vote in our poll at CNBC Fast Money. We'll bring you the results later in the show. Up next, the ultimate reopening play. One analyst says this is the stock you want to be in as things get back to normal. We'll bring you the name. And later, it's a party in the USA. A million reasons why investors are loving Miley Cyrus today. We'll explain when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Investors putting the pedal to the metal on Uber today. Shares jumping more than 5.5% after Jeffries initiated coverage on the stock with a buy rating and a $75 price target. Analyst Brent Thill calling Uber a top reopening play, pointing to a ridership recovery and strength in delivery. You can read all about this call at cnbc.com slash pro. Um, Bono, and in the meantime, what do you make of this call? I think it's a solid call, although I, I do prefer Lyft for all the reasons that he likes Uber. I just think that Lyft is more of the pure reopening play. Uber has leveraged itself, whether it be Drizzly or Uber Eats, to a lot of other things that bode well for a pandemic situation. I think Lyft clearly focused on ridership, gives you the same uh, investment thesis, but without all the other frills that will probably dampen its beta to the upside on reopening. Yeah. In terms of ultimate reopening trades, Karen, where would you go? You mean not li- not lift or aside Uber. for from, me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aside, right? I am really liking big cap pharma because it's not so clear why is it a reopening trade, but because people haven't gone to the doctor in the last year, and that's a lot of prescriptions that didn't get written that I really think will when people go back to the doctor, and it seems more compelling to me than some of the other reopen trades that are much more clearly reopened, like a Live Nation, but those have already run up. So far, they reflect such a strong reopening, which I believe will have, but I think it's already priced in for a lot of them. A lot of them trade at values greater than where they were in 2019. So mm. the risk reward to me of a reopen in big cap pharma, where the PE's low, as I said before, the dividends there, that's where I've been going as recently as today. All right. Coming up, speaking of reopening, as more travelers get primed to get back in the air, there's about to be a new, brand new slate of content at the gate. We'll talk to the company that just inked a major deal with U.S. airports. And there's still time to vote on Delano's fast pitch. Are you cashing in on Shopify? Vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We'll have the results at the end of the hour.
Welcome back to Fast Money. There's a media makeover happening in your local airport. After 30 years of dominating the TV screens at the terminal, CNN is officially handed over the reins to Reach TV. The company is a short-form streaming service that is now airing content in thousands of screens across more than 100 airports. The change comes as the pandemic recovery sparks a surge of demand for travel. For more, let's bring in Linwood Bibbin, CEO of Reach TV. Linwood, great to have you with us. Great being here. Um, I think this content deal is, is fascinating. I do want to hear about what we should expect to see when we're waiting for our airplanes. Um, but first, I want to get your sense of, of the reopening and how strong uh, you think it's going to be, because you actually make more money the more people that are in airports. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, we're an ad-supported network, so the more people, more money we can make. But I think it's worth noting that um, we're seeing a resurgence faster than most people thought. I mean, the expectation was we'd be at 65 percent of 2019 numbers in the fourth quarter. Uh, we've had for the last 18 days a million plus travelers every day. And we've been over 60 percent for the last eight, 10 days straight. So I see the vaccine rollout is, is contributing tremendously to that. And I saw today uh, two airlines said that they're, not, they're hitting numbers pre-pandemic as far as bookings. Wow. So I, as I understand it, Linwood, you're concerned that airlines aren't adding capacity back fast enough? Well, I think that they weren't expecting this. Um, if you looked at it as recent as 45 days ago, the expectation was we we're going to be at 45. We're going to creep to 50 to 55 and slowly come. So uh, in their smart, it was prudent for them to actually, you know, move planes around, take certain planes out of out of their rotation because it wouldn't have made sense financially. But now all of a sudden the demand has picked up faster than anyone expected. And the vaccine rollout has been faster than anyone's expected. And also, I just think pent up. We've been in our houses so long. We're ready to go. Yeah. Um, and so that's a big factor as well. In terms of ad rates, because you do make money selling ads, what are they like and how much have they increased? Um, for us, I think the, the beautiful part about if you, I always look for beauty in, in all kinds of situations. I think people realize and understand the impact the global traveler has on global GDP, on jobs. And I think that, in, by the way, global GDP, 10% of all global GDP is, is based on travel, 330 million jobs based on travel. Uh, and I think the people that travel, they are such tastemakers and such the explorers and they're the ones that drive what we do. I think that people are starting to value them even more. So our CPMs have went up by more than 30% because of the fact that people value the audience, whether it's one or 38 million, like it was in the last 30 days, people value them just that much more than they ever did. Um, and that's one of the big things for us. Hey, Linwood, it's Tim. Thanks for joining us. You know, I was looking through some of the notes uh, on, on your company, 12 billion ad impressions uh, this year you're expecting for reach. And that type of engagement, getting uh, folks in an airport, uh, you have a unique uh, engagement dynamic. What does that mean for advertisers? And are you seeing uh, particularly you talked about kind of high profile and luxury brand? And what is you know, what is the traditional advertiser profile? Well, our advertisers are the ones that want to reach that the high end audience and that decision maker audience. And what is what what's happening now is they want to be even more integrated in. We focused on t telling great stories, um, being truthful and positive. So that's the other thing that we're doing is we don't we don't get into politics. Uh, we keep things moving quickly, and then we tell great stories. So brands want to get integrated into those stories and/or 
be next to stories that represent what that brand, what, what represents that brand. Um, so we're seeing, I mean, uh, we're pretty excited about it. And the 12 billion is based on um, reaching 50%. Mm. And as you can tell, we're already crossing 60%. And I, I see fourth quarter 75 to 80%. Wow. Linwood, we'd love to have you back. Amazing. Thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. Linwood Bibbin, CEO of Reach TV. Good pulse guy on ad rates, on travel. Where do you want to go with this? Well, I mean, it's, it should do really, I mean, if you think about it, just connecting the dots, the E and the Hope trade Expedia should just explode off the back of this. And by the way, it has been, if you look, stocks within a whisper of an all-time high. And you talk about ads again. I mean, you go back to where we started this show, Facebook and Google. So they all win. And I think he speaks to exactly uh, what's been going on for the last three or four months. All right. Coming up. Miley Cyrus coming in like a wrecking ball to your portfolio. The big news that's got retailer traders rejoicing. And last call to vote in our Twitter poll is Shopify a buy. Head on over to at CNBC Fast Money to vote. We got the results next. Welcome back to Fast Money. It's a party in the USA. Miley Cyrus giving away $1 million worth of stock. It's part of a partnership with Square's Cash App. Post a cash tag and favorite stock to one of her social accounts. And if you're lucky, she will award you some shares. Now, let's be clear. This is Miley Cyrus, not Katy Perry. We confused the two the other day. But Miley Cyrus <laughs> is doing this promotion with the Cash App. Um, good or bad, Karen? <laughs> Well, I love Miley Cyrus. I'm not embarrassed to say I love Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I love Dolly Parton. I love that Dolly Parton was Aunt Dolly on, on Miley Cyrus's uh, Hannah Montana, whatever show that was. It's interesting. I'm kind of wondering wh- why, but uh, I don't know. Jack seems to be, Jack Dorsey seems to be getting involved with some big music talent. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's interesting. Good for her. I'm a little afraid it won't work out great, but maybe it's just, is it one person? I'm a little confused. No, no, I think it's, I think one it's multiple gets people. A million? I think it's one, Tons I of think people. it's multiple people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. So, well, could go All wrong. right. How bad could it yeah, go wrong? Exactly. All right. Time to find <laughs> out if the viewers out there were buying Delano Sapporo's fast pitch on Shopify and looks like it was a strike on Shopify. 56% not buying it. Sorry, Delano. Time for the final trade. We go around the horn. Tim. EEM. Bonowin. Lift. Karen. Pfizer. Guy. Amgen. All right. Have a great long weekend. Thanks for watching. Mad Money <laughs> with Jim Cramer starts right now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.